on this episode of Risky Business. The problem nowadays is that your reputation can even be damaged even if it didn't do anything wrong because the media has picked up the story or someone distributes a story that's probably not true or not fully proven. I'm Steve Muddyman, and this is Risky Business, a show from GAN Integrity covering the wide range of issues in compliance and ethics, but with one goal in mind, empowering your people to do the right thing. This season, we're demystifying the word compliance and covering the foundational elements necessary to an organization. Picture this. The UK Bribery Act has just been enacted and your team is tasked with crafting a compliance plan that aligns. The catch? You're a small team in a high-profile industry. Oh, and the old and widely accepted way of doing things is now illegal. In this episode, Barbara Lustenberger, head of group compliance in Front Sports, joins me to share how she and her team tackled this challenge head-on. You'll learn how she balances the need for a holistic view of risk management with respecting the individual cultures she works with around the globe. As you listen, ask yourself, how are you measuring your effectiveness in risk management? For Barbara, the key is finding the right metrics and interpreting them correctly. When you reflect on where you are today, how would you describe the objectives that you set out to achieve when you were designing and implementing your compliance program? The overall objective of our Compliance management system is to detect and prevent corporate misbehavior and minimize the damage of arising issues, prevent their reoccurrence and improve business and control processes. That's like the overall objective. And I think this hasn't changed for the last 10 years. But when we started implementing the the whole system, we had an objective for each of those seven elements that usually build basis of each compliance program. So I don't know, one was probably conducting effective training and communication measures, conducting internal monitoring and auditing programs. And we're still following these objectives, but of course, they also change a bit with the time and with the different risks that have arisen in, in these past 10 years. Certainly when I speak to organizations like like yours and and fellow heads of compliance, they often talk about the challenges of managing change uh, and specifically about how to train and educate the organization to be aware of the kinds of programs that you're putting in place. Can you just talk about how you do that at Infront and what time that consumes in terms of you you and your team's time? I think it consumes a lot of time. But I would say being there from the really beginning of the compliance management system, that it it was rather tricky at the beginning because everything was new. People still thought that compliance, you know, would, would hinder their business and would make their daily life more difficult. But with the time now, it has been proven that this is not the case, that we're ra- rather a supportive function, that we try to you know, keep them out of troubles or that we support them to stay out of troubles. And I would say like in the first five years, it was rather difficult to get things moving, to implement new processes because there was a more restrictive attitude towards compliance. But as bad as it sounds, but cases that happen not only within our organization, but for example, out in the sports world, they show that actually medias and regulators, they're also observing sports organization and that 
it's not compliance is not just here to make each other's life more difficult, but it's here to protect the company and protect the management, protect each employee. And we've had such cases in the past, unfortunately, like outside of infra, but within the sports world. And it helped to show how, how serious it is what we're talking about. And this definitely supported the whole change within the culture, within the company and the acceptance of compliance. Can you say a little bit more about the culture in the organization? Because I often hear that culture is the fabric upon which, you know, the approach to the way in which all parts of an organization participate. Anything specific you could talk to with regard to the culture in front and how that's helped to embed or or effectively allow your role uh, and what you do to be successful? Culture is an essential part for each compliance management system, or at least compliance management system is effectively lived or implemented in a company. Because if the colleagues or the people don't have the right mindset or even the management, I think everything you do as a compliance officer doesn't end in the results that you would like to achieve. So speaking for in front, it's quite a tricky thing because if you look back 20 or 30 years in the sports industry, I don't have to lie, but it was quite normal that when you met the, I don't know, a federations president in some of the countries that you would come there with a big gift, with a big invitation. And in worst case, even with a little bag or <laughs> full of money. I mean, these are stories that are told, but I think for some uh, individuals, this was true. And the mindset was totally different. It was okay to invite people for lavish dinners, lavish events, whatever. And I would say that within Infront, I could observe a whole change of culture. And we have a lot of new young colleagues now, also in the sales department. And you can see they enter the company with a totally different mindset. They already learn about compliance in, in, in university or they're much more sensitive to all the ESG topics, etc. So they also expect from a company that you do what I'm doing or what, what our tasks is. And I have to say, I'm in the very fortunate uh, situation within Infront that the management was very supportive from the beginning, especially also our CEO. And I think they've seen the importance of, of compliance from more or less day one. And they realize that it's not just there for fun or to please the shareholders, that it becomes necessary. And I think within the last years, it's, it's not, it was not only the shareholders that requested, but there are a lot of other stakeholders that start requesting compliance systems and that you're able to prove that you do everything to prevent for bribery or violation of international sanctioning laws. I think, again, also external cases that happened and higher expectations from our stakeholders helped shaping the right culture within Infront that these uh, values are actually lived. And I think that point you just made there with regard to external stakeholders who engage with Infront are expecting a certain degree or a certain level of standards, if you will, in, in terms of how you run your businesses. Do you see that as something that helps to give Infront a competitive advantage? Definitely. It's probably not only a competitive advantage, but it's also a strict requirement. And if you talk to investors or potential shareholders, to the banks, that, that's what they want to see. Otherwise, it, it's also hard for them to justify an investment internally because they have also their requirements, what companies need to do or what they have to have in place. So they're actually allowed to invest in your company. So that's definitely the case. And what I see now these days, I would say maybe since one or two years, 
always more and more is not only the investors and banks that are maybe regulated by a supervisory body, but also like the, our normal clients, our daily clients, like the sponsors, the, the broadcasters, they have high expectations on what you do and how you do business. And it helps a lot that we are able to show a documented uh, or that we have a good documentation about our, our compliance efforts and that we've not done it only the last three months or the last year, but that we've grown it and, and, and improved it for the last yeah nine, nine to 10 years. So I guess that logically follows then that as a sports marketing company, I'm assuming reputational risk is an extremely important indicator for you guys to monitor. Can you describe how important reputation is for Infront and some of the challenges you face in mitigating that reputational risk? I think like reputational risk is probably the biggest risk or one of the main risks on our risk matrix because the problem nowadays is that your reputation can even be damaged even if it didn't do anything wrong because the media has picked up the story or someone distributes a story that's probably not true or not fully proven. So we try to be very proactive and elaborate on, on these potential issues that might be seen in public differently than the actual facts are. And I would say as for a like service provider company as we are having a lot of competitors and, and the market is very tight or, or difficult to have or to maintain a good reputation is essential to to be successful and I, as i said we try to be proactive and ensure that if we realize some things will be published in medias usually get the chance to also make your statements but what we usually do we engage good lawyers specialized in media and uh, communication law that support us to to turn the facts around so they're mirrored correctly and, and not to our disadvantage because it's an important investment and it's very tricky. I've seen or I've received from potential sponsors and clients a lot of questions because in their screening tool, there was an article where Infront was mentioned, probably not in a positive light. And yeah, we like we get into a, a deeper supplier check, for example, and it's just because of one newspaper article that we've even fought uh, before court because it was a total lie what was written in there. So it is uh, tricky when it comes to reputational question. And when we try to protect our good reputation that we have uh, as, as much as possible. I think that point you made earlier about being proactive, allowing organizations that do engage with you whether they're in whatever form those organizations are being proactive in terms of having those published standards, having a published program, as you describe there, having transparency on your results, having organizational buy-in, if you will, where everybody participates in the program should help to stand you apart from, from others in, in your industry, right? That's also one of the motivation or the factors that motivates us to continue this way because at the beginning when we started with the compliance management system i often heard from from people yeah but competitor x or z they don't do this so why do we have to do it and i think nowadays it's really clear that it's also an advantage it can be used as a sales argument that we're doing it that way already for 10 years and that shows how how responsible we are but i think also in the sports industry I would say like most of our competitors in the meanwhile, they have set up their compliance management system and they're working with similar standards. So let me change track just a, a fraction here, if I may. We all know about 
the change that's affected all of us over the last couple of years, last two or three years, in fact, when we think about some of the issues associated with how the pandemic has affected our businesses and and the businesses that we deal with, uh, cyber threats, the great resignation, and unfortunately, current circumstances with regard to the war in Ukraine and the subsequent sanctions that have been imposed as a result of that. These changes have turned uh, and driven regulators to to act much more quickly in determining what those guardrails are for, for how businesses should operate. And that must put immense pressure on businesses like yours and specifically organizations like yours in in Infront. How has your team been able to cope with those changes and any learning that you could talk to that you've seen that you've had to respond to and therefore learn from those actions? The advantage of my company is that we're a very dynamic company. Decisions can be taken very quickly. There are no long reporting or approval lines. So whenever there are new requirements, it doesn't take me three weeks to get something approved, a new process or whatever. It's It can be done like within one day if it's very urgent. And I think that helps a lot to always be at the same pace as regulators and, and, yeah, and international developments are. A second thing that for me is quite essential is that you have a good cooperation and a good network internally. So talking about the, the current situation with all these new sanctions that uh, are applied against Russia. It's not only compliance, or w- at least within our company, it's not only compliance that has touching points with this situation. We monitor the companies, we monitor if sanctions apply. But in the end, there's also a lot of questions at the moment. How can payments be transferred to Russia or from Russia? Can they still be transferred? What is the approach? And there's also a big part of work done by our treasury department or by our accounting department. Like these days when this all started, it was essential, you know, that we have a good network internally. We know who are the key people from those departments, with whom do we have to talk to. And we like within two hours, we had a little working group set up also with representatives from the sales team or with people that are on site at sport events that, for example, delivered services to Russian broadcasters. So we had to give them advice like from day one on how to handle the situation, what are they still allowed to provide, what can't be provided anymore. And I think really that if you know who the right people are to talk to and if you see that compliance is very an interdisciplinary function, that helps a lot to to meet the requirements of a dynamic environment. I've often seen this sort of shift, if you will, from a controlling environment in in which putting rules in place and governance in place where organizations are somewhat restricted to comply to that, those rules versus this ability to actually provide the tools to enable the organization to participate in the program and therefore get business value from that. Is that certainly the way in which you see it? Because it sounds like that from what you just described. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have some strict processes uh, that have to be respected for some decisions or there's a clear hierarchy level who can take which decision. But I prefer to be in this dynamic environment where you have some rules to observe all the time, but they don't prevent us from being fast and from being also dynamic. I think both ways of of organizing a compliance or organizing a business have their advantages. And I think especially when I think about the ISO certification, they require a lot of documented processes and, you know, that you follow them all the time. And 
I see that this gives security and it's the risk that you forget something is rather small than if you don't have them always well defined and documented, but you lose on dynamics. And I think have the right mix to remain dynamic, but still have the security that the correct path and, and, and are always uh, followed and respected. How do you handle the sensitivities and the differences in culture and language in helping people to understand? We talked earlier about how much time you spend getting the organization on board, but of course you also have the subtleties of being able to do that in very different you know, geographies around the world. Yeah, I think the most important point is that you respect like uh, the other cultures or that you are aware that they exist and that you, we cannot come from Switzerland and roll out what we think is best to everyone. I think then you lose the acceptance and respect for the program. So we have uh, local compliance desks in, in the biggest subsidiaries and we are like a central organized uh, compliance management system. So indicate all those local officers what we do and what we expect them to do in, in terms of trainings and policies and uh, monitoring or auditing uh, measures. But we give them the freedom to adapt it in the way that it suits their people, their cultures. And some subsidiaries, they do it like something totally different than buying and selling rights. We have a, a TV production company, which is like a, a service supplier. So their problems or issues are rather different from our core business issues. So it's important that you take this into consideration when building up a compliance management system and that you allow also the flexibility in your program or in your system that the issues they face can also be addressed. And I would say the local compliance officer from this subsidy knows much better what they need than I do. So she has the freedom like to add processes, to add guidelines, etc what she thinks is necessary. And we have a regular exchange with all the compliance officers all around the world, like at least four times a year, where we always from the group compliance staff gives a, an update on what's going on, what has been discussed in the compliance board session. And then they also have the chance to share their experiences, their questions, and usually also discuss cases in there and see, would you have treated them differently? Would you have answered this like the other way around? Or do you all agree? But I think we also have to say that out of these 44 offices, a lot of them are in Western Europe. So there are differences, but it's not a total different mindset, I would say. And with, with offices that are further away, like we try to handle it with local compliance offices that are on site, that are from there. They know what's going on. And yeah, to give them the freedom and flexibility to adapt the system as much as needed. So it's also accepted and respected by, by local people. Could you just talk, Barbara, a little bit more about this sort of holistic view of the way in which the business thinks about risk management in terms of all of its context? Because particularly in the industry that you're in, there's potential for, for high exposure to corruption, to fraud, to antitrust competition, data breaches, and all forms of risk profile. Taking a holistic view, clearly, has to be the way forward, doesn't it, in order you can actually get one picture of what's actually happening within your business and effectively within the ecosystem of which your business is in. Yeah, the whole risk management is a big task on it, not only for me as a compliance officer, definitely also for the whole 
company because, as you mentioned, we are exposed to a lot of risks. But I think each company is exposed to those risks. It's not just in the sports industry. I, I guess some risks are, or for some risks, is a higher exposure because in the sports world, there's loads of money. And this, of course, attracts a lot of illegal conduct or criminals. The approach we have is, I would say, like a standardized process, how we assess risks like on a yearly basis and we have our, our matrix and it's never stable. You have to have keep your eyes open and see what new challenges uh, come out of the market, come out of changes in the world, the political situations, but and then take the, the right measures to manage them. Do you see the connection at all to what you're doing and the standards that you uphold within the business, enabling you to be able to connect that to the potential for retaining talent in your organization? Because we all know that we've got a mass movement of talent around, around the world right now. And equally, the ability to attract individuals into the business because of the standards that you uphold through the programs that you lead. I think it is very difficult. And we're rather, I would say, at the beginning in making these relations, but we've had some situations where we could actually prove or say that due to our compliance management system or due to the quality of our compliance management system, we were able to, let's say, get a new partnership or get an investor on board. So this was probably like the, the positive or the upside of it. When you talk about talent retention, if this is made in relation to the standards we uphold, honestly, I cannot really comment on that. We, we have not really elaborated this aspect, but I think it's like the new trend. Our compliance always gets better or each program or each thing, if you can measure it and if you can prove that it has an actual value in the end for the whole company. So it's on our agenda. It's also kind of part of the ISO certification requirements that you have these KPIs. And we're currently really thinking about which KPIs make sense because with compliance, just to have blunt numbers every year and sell them as KPIs, I, I don't think that this is effective. If I say one KPI is how many calls our speak-up line gets every year, it doesn't say anything about the effectiveness or quality of our compliance management system because if you have a higher number, does it mean you had more misconduct or does it mean that probably the speak-up culture is better or has improved or people trust more in you? So that would be the positive sign. But if there's more misconduct, that's probably the negative sign. So I find it very difficult to have KPIs that make sense and that actually also can relate to business success in the end. So if you have some good ideas, I'm very happy to hear them from you. <laughs> That's a great question back to me, but I think the point you make is that's where we want to get to. You, you talked about that's the trend, and I genuinely think that's where you have the benefit and indeed you have a position where the board and the leadership team trust in what your organization is doing. They rely on it. You've talked to that. Being able to connect that then to the things that matter to the day-to-day -day running of the business in the way in which you describe is obviously the next step, isn't it? And it sounds to me that you acknowledge that and, and recognize that the potential is there to be able to make that connection. We've seen many sports organizations boycott sporting events in Russia and their participants in world events outside of Russia, which of course adds another layer of challenge to handle besides the sanctions that we've discussed. 
How has your team been able to support the business or handle these kinds of developments? And is there any advice that you can give to others that perhaps are in the community, the compliance community listening to this right now that you could pass on that may be in in a not unsimilar situation to yourself? I would say our, especially the, the teams on site, they've been asked for a lot of flexibility and extra work in the past two years because with COVID, of course, a lot of events already got cancelled and, and we need like to reschedule and reorganize and make amendments for all the agreements. So <laughs> I guess the team was already in the right spirit to be able to show this flexibility. But now with the situation we have now, what we can do from compliance is be there, support them and like research what are the facts, like what is allowed, what is not allowed, what is sanctioned, what is not sanctioned. And, and give them the right framework. And then what happens, I would say, from a commercial perspective or how things are decided within this legal framework, that's none of my business. That's up to, to the management or the sales uh, managers. But I see our task fully in like giving the support so they know what can be done and what should not be done anymore. Of course, we support them with our recommendations where we see additional risks. So maybe if something would still be feasible from a sanction perspective, but the reputation risk is very high, or there's, of course, also ethical standpoints to consider in this specific situation, each team should do best in their core competences. So for us, compliance is we detect or we elaborate on, on the legal possibilities. And then Commercial people, they're specialized in taking the right decision so from a commercial perspective. So that's what they should do. And I think to keep this kind of separation of, of competencies helps also in this, I would say, very emotional situation right now where everyone has, has its own ethical opinions and perceptions and moral ideas. You're working for a company, in the end, you have to do your job and don't get overwhelmed by your personal emotions as well. Thanks for listening to Risky Business. For more insights and resources, check out the show notes or go to ganintegrity.com and be sure to follow along wherever you get your audio.